we come to this reading uh, in John chapter 21. And it's a bit of an epilogue for his gospel. Just as John gave us a prologue right at the beginning of his gospel. There's a bit about um, how Jesus is the Son of God and how he was there how Christ, the Word, was there at the time of creation. We have this um, epilogue at the end of the Gospel, uh, an extra bit for the reader, because at the end of chapter 20, it sounds as if he's finished telling his story. It sounds as if, well, I've told you about the resurrection. I've told you that Jesus did some great teaching. I've told you about the miracles. That's that. And we get left on a high at the end of John 20. You know, encouraged that uh, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then it's like an encore. The reader wants more and John gives more as we go into chapter 21. It moves us further forward. And the reading ends, the reading that we've had this morning, ends with our disciples, fishermen, On the beach, in awe at the mighty presence of the Lord. They had those feelings that we've just been expressing about new life. Delighting in him, amazed at the catch. Maybe reminded of their initial call to share his good news. To fish for people. But at the start of the chapter... At the start of today's reading that Alec brought, that's not where they are. At the start of the passage, they're on the beach, but in a different sense, they're washed up. They've run aground. They don't have that Easter joy that hopefully we are currently sharing in. Now, we don't know exactly the timings, but there had been a week between Easter, the first appearance of the risen Lord to his people, and then the second uh, appearance where uh, Thomas was there and the Lord offered, you know, come and touch me. See where the wounds were. Put your hand here. We don't know how long before this third appearance, but some time has passed. Whether it's been another week, whether it's longer, whether it's shorter, whether it's during that week. But it's clear that the disciples are struggling a little. In the, physic, in the lack of the physical presence of Jesus. <clears throat> They've seen the risen Lord, but yet they have a hole in their life. 
There's a disconnect. And Simon Peter goes, I'm going fishing. You know, it's, it's not a simple case of, well, I think I'll get up and I'll read a book and maybe go fishing. And then I'll watch a bit of telly later. It's not like that. He's been a follower, a disciple of Jesus for three years. And that was probably about a typical length of time that a disciple in that culture would spend with the rabbi, learning the teachings, learning the way, learning how to come close to God. And then normally the disciple would then go off and have their own disciples. And the teaching would spread. Having learned how to walk in the way of the Lord, the next thing to do is walk in the way of the Lord and teach others to walk in that way. But in this passage, Peter's not saying, let's go off to the villages. He's not saying, let's go into the town where we are and share the word. He says, I'm going back to my old job. I'm going fishing. And the other six disciples that are there go, you know what, I'm coming too. These seven disciples represent not simply the 11 disciples of the time, but, but the whole gathering of followers, the whole of the early church. There's no perspective in their mind of what they were supposed to be doing. There's no patience on their part of waiting for the Lord to reveal his plan. Now, they go back to their old ways. Left to their own devices, they go back to their old ways, their old way of doing things. And sometimes we might hesitate in living out the way that Jesus calls us to be. It might be that things are not as we wish. Maybe the plan isn't unfolding as we imagined. Maybe we feel we have been let down by a friend. Maybe we might even feel that the Lord is letting us down in some way. But we should not give up on our faith. We should instead reflect on who we are and who God calls us to be. Think about what we truly believe and what we put our trust in. God never wavers in his love for you. He does not break his promises to you. God will never betray you. You can trust in him. There may be times that are a great struggle 
with things that are happening in your life, things that are happening to your friends. But the Lord is there, and he loves you. Peter, however, is human. And humans are frail and do not always do the things that they are supposed to do. They don't always live up to the hope that's put into them or the trust that we vest in them. But they also have this chance to start again. Each day is a new beginning. Never go backwards, but always consider how God might be calling you on forwards. What the next step of the journey may be. In the new day, Jesus comes to the shore. And we hear him call to the disciples. And he calls to you too. And calls out, friends, that's who you are. He sees you as friends. As people that he knows intimately, every detail of. He calls to the men in the boat, friends, have you no fish? Is what you are doing wrong? Are the decision to be here the wrong decision? They've been out all night and caught nothing. Not because they were bad fishermen who'd forgotten their skill set, nor because there was no fish in the lake. There was plenty out there in the sea. But nothing was caught overnight so that they would learn and grow. This was about patience, which they had earlier demonstrated they were lacking. When the Lord, when we come before the Lord and ask him to help us know deeper the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We might find ourselves needing to exercise the fruit to get there. We need to have patience to grow in patience. We need to encounter times when we need self-control to grow in self-control. For our gentleness to grow, we need to be gentle. The Lord gives opportunities to grow. And those growth times can be painful times. But we must be ready to live and respond in the way of the Lord. And seek his journey and to grow in the fruit of the spirit that he promises to us. Like the patience these fishermen were lacking. Throw the net on the right side of the boat, Jesus cries to the fishermen. As if they didn't know how to throw their net. And as if they hadn't been throwing their net all night. 
They probably tried this side and that side. They're probably going, what else can we do? We keep doing it. But he's not talking about how to fish. He's not saying if he'd gone to the starboard side. No, he's saying throw it on the right side. Do the right thing. It's an instruction to live life the way of Jesus, to be obedient followers. And for these men, these men in the boat, that instruction to fish in a certain way is actually a bit of an instruction to give up fishing for life. To throw the net on the right side is a message that they need to throw the right net in the right place and do the right thing. The huge catch of 153 big fish filling their nets reflects that obedience that they have listened and that they will respond. It's not that they knew everything already which they did, it's that they were ready to listen. It's a reminder of the day some of them were called to be disciples. A day when they were saying, come, be fishers of men and women and children. Fish for people. Some say that the, the number has significance. Some say someday must have gone and counted those fish. We don't know. There's different explanations given for 153 being a number of completeness, but I'm not going to go into that now. I'm sure if you find a good commentary, it'll give you some ideas. But... Uh, there's a sense that there's an awful lot of fish there. They have been mightily blessed. And they were blessed because they responded to the Lord in the right way. The beloved disciple, whom we uh, usually take as being John, is the one in the boat who seems to put the pieces together, who thinks, wait a minute, this has happened before. We've been here already. And the person that told us to do that and the person that gave us this great result is the Lord. He declares the person on the shore to be Jesus. And Peter is the one who gets excited and jumps in. Well, there's not much change that there in how the gospel tells its story. He does it in response to his friend's proclamation. We need people today to tell their friends, look, it is the Lord. We need people to be like this evangelist 
speaking about the greatness of the Lord. When your friends are disheartened in their faith, when they cannot see Jesus on the shore of line calling out the word friend, when they are struggling, they need to hear you say, Jesus is there. The bringer of hope is alive. Jesus, who forgives sins and gives the second chance, is alive and longs to bless. Jesus, who died on the cross but has triumphed over the grave, is alive and wants to give you encouragement in your journey of faith. Maybe you need to hear that message yourself. Maybe there's somebody that you need to share that message with. The disciples gather on the shore. And a simple meal is shared. Breakfast on the beach. And it's a sense of communion. And the presence of the Son of God is recognised. They knew it was the Lord. Nobody had to say, who are you really? What's going on here? They simply knew. Nobody asks, who are you? These disciples have their life changed. They'd seen the risen Lord before. But there was something lacking. This time it'll be different. This fresh encounter means they're renewed and ready to serve in the places that they belong to be, out in the community. It's great to gather here on Sunday mornings. It's great to praise the Lord's name. But we don't stop being the church at the end of the service. We go here and there. We go to our homes. We go to our workplaces. We go to the streets where we live. And we are still the church scattered in those places where we maybe grew up or maybe have moved to in later years. But we have to go out and be those people in Galilee, the disciples. Go out and serve and share the hope of the Lord. The risen Lord lives. Don't simply be people who know the Easter story, but remember how it makes you feel the words that you've shared in this church today. Speak of how he calls you to change and to live his way so that you may always be his people, his disciple, his friend. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, you spoke 
in the beginning. And your son was there and all was created by him through him. And this living presence that was there at the beginning is here with us now. Recreate us. Renew us. Give us rebirth. That we might live for you and serve you with the joy of the Easter story. The hope of eternal life and the knowledge of our forgiveness of sins. Let us be equipped by your mighty spirit. Breathe that spirit upon us. That we might have the courage to share words with those who live around us. Family and friends. Neighbours and colleagues. That we may say that Jesus gives new life that the Lord brings us joy help us know the right time and how to seek opportunities to share our faith to give more than one word but be able to give a full testimony help us be ready and have in mind what we would share at those times. And Lord, at the times when we are disheartened, at the times that we are broken, at the times that we don't know where to turn or what to do, Help us see you standing on the shore of line, calling out to us. Help us to remember the times of joy we've had in the past and how to journey into the future.